But I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles up to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, and uh, then we will, uh, or actually I want to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I'm a little bit ahead of myself, but uh, in the outline, but um, I want to deal with it anyway. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, not 1st. Father, I thank you this evening for your word. Lord, in a world where everything changes and uh, things around us are always questionable, we thank you that there's one thing that is true and that is sure, and that is your word. So, Father, we thank you tonight that we can find our rest, we can find our hope, we can find our peace, our confidence, our strength, and our joy in your word. So we thank you, Holy Spirit, tonight we invite you to come as a teacher. We need you to be the teacher in our lives, to bring and reveal the truth of the word of the Father to our hearts. And we open our hearts to you tonight. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. As I was reading through, just begin with me in, in chapter 4 and verse 1, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 1. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifesting, but by manifestation of the truth, committing ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And so when I read that, I thought, handling the word of God deceitfully. Now, in this Bible, in my, in my notes under that verse and the references, it says adulterating the word of God. And so then I begin to study that. Well, what does that mean? But before we get into all that, that's part two of the lesson night. I want you to look at the cover of your outline. And uh, there's an area there. As I was reading through First and Second Corinthians last week, we were just coming across verses that dealt with being deceived. And the first one was in First Corinthians chapter 6 and talking about not being deceived about the type of conduct that people engage in. And there's a lot of that today. We are seeing so much today of different conducts and lifestyles and, and, and uh, involvements that people are saying, you know, well, that's all right. God accepts that. But the Word of God says something completely different. Are you with me? And so when I began to look at this and I started looking up the word deception and deceive, then I found that it was pretty expansive in, in, in the Word of God. And as I said Sunday morning, I found out that there are 51 times that it's used in all of its different, or 52 times, in all of the different variations of this word. So on the cover of your outline, we have the word deception. And it means being deceived, going astray to err, or simply getting it wrong. And how many know it's not good to get it wrong? And, uh, and a lot of this is, uh, you know, there, there's a test to this. We're walking this out. And I don't know about you, I don't want to get it wrong. Even the Apostle Paul said, the Apostle Paul said like this. He says, I bring my body into subjection daily, lest after preaching the gospel to others, I myself will become a castaway. Paul says, man, I don't want to get it wrong. And then he also said this. He says, I don't consider myself to have arrived. But, but I'm pressing for the mark. So I'm always striving. And that's something that we have to be aware of, that, that there's a call upon our life to always be striving, always be growing. I got a kick out of Pastor Mike Lasky. We were talking after first service, which is uh, Don Brazel's uh, mom, Eli's grandpa. And uh, he comes and visits. I haven't seen him for a while. And we were just talking after service. He says, you know, you never quit learning. And in life, we never quit learning. And in our walk with God, we, we can never afford to quit learning and quit growing. Could you agree? So that's so important for us to understand. So deception, it actually just is simply getting it wrong. It's from a Greek word, the word plano. And it means uh, properly to cause to roam from safety, truth, or virtue. Isn't that interesting? So to be deceived and, and deception means to cause somebody to roam, to go astray, from safety, truth, or virtue, to deceive, to <coughs> excuse me, to seduce, to wander, to be out of the way. I mean, no, that's not good. Amen. And so then, as you look at that in, in Matthew 22, I put a lot of scripture in your outline tonight, and we'll read through them just to give us uh, j just a, a little bit of a taste of how all these are used. Matthew 22, 29, Jesus answered and said to them, you do err not knowing the scriptures, nor the power of God. Now, these are the people, he's speaking to the people to whom God's word had been given. 
He's speaking to the scribes and the Pharisees. He's talking to the religious leaders of that day. And Jesus is telling them, you're the ones who are entrusted with the word. You're the ones who are supposed to be teaching the people the word. And the way you're approaching me and the questions you're asking me are telling me that you're in error. You've gone astray. You've roamed away from the truth. And then you're also leading people in that error. I mean, Jesus talked about the blind leading the blind. Amen? And so it's so important that we learn that. In fact, I was having a conversation with a gentleman the other day and just talking about things. And I just always tell people this. I say, you know, there's a lot of good opinions, a lot of good thoughts out there and everything. But I do this. I'm just a word guy. I'm, the, all I know is the Word of God. So if you ask me a question, you give me something, you ask me, I'm going to filter everything back through the Word of God. This is my filter. And so I'm, I'm going to filter everything back through God's Word. And that's really cool, and it talked about that, and you could deal with some of those issues and things, and there's a lot of things in viewpoints on prophecy and end times and, and world governments and all the goofy stuff out there. But if you filter it back through the Word of God, you can keep yourself from being deceived. Amen? Or led astray. So Jesus says this. He's speaking to them. And he says, Jesus answered and said to them, You do err, not knowing the Scriptures, nor the power of God. And they were trying to test him. So look inside your outline. Luke 21, verses 7 and 8. So they asked him, saying, Teacher, but when will all these things be? And what sign will there be? This is disciples asking him. When these things are about to take place, talking about the end of the age. And he said, take heed that you what? Jesus sees speaking to his side. He says, take heed that you be not deceived. So here's his disciples asking him this question. What's going to be the sign of all this? And Jesus says, hey, be careful that you take heed, give attention, that you are not deceived. Why? For many will come, how? In my name saying, I am he, and the time is drawn near, therefore do not go after them. Right, so there's going to be those that, that are going to be, have great influence, and there's going to be those that are going to look like, going to sound like, and, and if you're not careful, you could be deceived. Amen? And it even says that, that if it wasn't that God didn't shorten, for the elect's sake, he shortened it that the elect wouldn't even be deceived. So there, there's a lot of things that cover this. We don't have time to go through them all. So I put in here 51 times this word is used in all variations in the New Testament. From the Gospels to the Epistles and into the book of Revelation. Each time it comes as a warning to guard against being led astray into error. Every time it talks about deception, it's a warning to us, or, and, and, and you can look at it as a warning. I take it as an encouragement to not be deceived or to be led into error, amen, or to go astray. And I'm thankful God put them in there, amen, or to bring correction to us when we are in error. So it's used to warn us that there's a stratagem on the part of the devil to do just that, to lead God's people astray. How many aware that, that there is a devil? Amen. And, and the world, we don't, I don't think we take it seriously enough today. Christianity's gotten real casual in a lot of areas, and we don't take it quite seriously as we used to. And the devil loves it when we're casual, and we don't, and we don't take him serious. And I'm going to read something to you in a minute that, that's pretty uh, amazing, but uh, it, uh, he has a strategy and a stratagem to, to lead God's people astray into error and away from the truth. Or in other words, to accept the liest fact and to render God's word powerless and ineffective in their life. His goal is to get this word to be ineffective in your life. A couple of weeks ago, I preached on removing impotence. Taking out, that, that, re, removing the powerlessness from our, from our life. And so God doesn't want His church to be impotent, to be powerless. The will of God is that we be a people who walk in the life and the power and the authority of God's Word. Amen? The Great Commission, Jesus said, come on, all authority is given me, now walk in that authority. So what happens is, what, the question we have to ask ourselves, when we're not walking, when we're not seeing the Word of God, what has come in that's caused us not to see that come to pass in our life? Could it be there's been an influence of deception that's caused us to accept something less than the full value of God's Word as truth in our life? Are you with me? And so it's so important. We, we just have to challenge ourselves and, and give ourselves that test. So the question must be asked, uh, must be honest. The question we must be honest enough to ask, 
ourselves is why has God put so many warnings in his word? So why? Why 51 times in the New Testament is this brought up? Think about it. Because the devil is a master of using the truth of God's word to promote his lie. The devil uses the word to promote his lie. He knows how to twist the truth just enough to lead God's people astray. For a lie to be effective, it must contain an element of truth. Amen? It just, it just has to be twisted a little bit. And so there, there's enough truth in there that it sounds plausible. It sounds feasible. It's just like a good con, a good con man. It sounds so good. It sounds real. Are you listening to me? And so the devil is that. He's the master of the con. He's the master at conning God's people. And then you wake up. Oh, my goodness. How did this happen? Man, I was deceived. I was drawn into this. And so he twists the truth just enough to lead God's people astray. For a lie to be effective, again, it must contain an element of truth, which is why uh, we are exhorted by Paul to study that we might rightly divide the word of truth. It is so important that every believer be a student of the word. Not just realize, we, we need, God gave us pastors, he gave us teachers, he, he gave us people to, to, to the five-fold ministry to equip us for the work of the ministry, but that doesn't mean that we're not supposed to study. It doesn't mean the pastor's supposed to study for me. Amen. When I bring something, it should propel what God is doing. It, it, should, it should add to what God has already spoken into your life. It's just like this. If I'm seeking God and I'm walking with God, if somebody gives me a word, it's not going to be... Well, wow, a surprise to me. It should be a confirmation of what God is already speaking to me. Amen. I don't need somebody to get a word from God for me. Amen. So when we prophesy, it should be confirmation. It should help me understand when a word of knowledge, when a word of wisdom, God brings that affirmation to our life. Amen. If it doesn't bear witness with you, this is, I say, shelf it. And if it's God, it'll come to pass. If it's not, you don't have to waste your time trying to bring it to pass. It's just like when Pastor Doug prophesied to me two years before we moved here to plant the church. We were already pastoring in, in Bieber there. Everything was going good. And it, it, was just, it was right before God stirred everything up in my life up there. And, and started working transition. And at that time, Doug goes, hey, Don, we're down here visiting. We're out with Doug. And he goes, hey, I, I, just, I just feel this in my spirit. I'm going to prophesy. I feel like you and Sue are going to be in the Sacramento area sometime and build a work for God. I said, that's not God. <laughs> I told him. I said, God, Doug, that's not God. Amen. So we've been friends for 40 years. We talk like that to each other. <laughs> Amen. And so I, I just shelved it. I, I, I never thought about it. I didn't consider it. A year later, Doug and I were back in this area doing a survey. We were driving around, spying out the land. Neither one of us remembered that word. Neither one of us. Two years later, Sue and I have moved here. We're driving around looking for a church building. And on the day we pulled into the gas station to get gas while we're looking for a building, the Lord said, hey. Remember that word? And I go, Sue, this is the gas station where Doug said, one of these days you'll be in this area and build a work for God. But see what I'm saying is that if it's a word from the Lord, he'll bring it to pass. And that's the same thing with this word. This is God's word. And one of the deceptions that the devil said, you better make this work. You better get after this. You better get busy. No, God said, God said he watches over his word to perform it. He says, my word doesn't return to me void. It accomplishes what I send it to do. And when we just get into agreement with God, part of the deception of the devil is getting us to work for things we don't have to work for. And, getting, and, and as long as we're working to get all that, he moves us off of mission. Our mission is not to work to get our answers. Our mission is to preach the gospel. Our mission is to win the lost. Our mission isn't just trying to get our prayers answered. Thank you for that holy hush. But as long as we believe, we just have to be involved in getting my answer and getting my job and getting this. If you'll just start doing the kingdom, Jesus said, seek ye first what? 
the kingdom, if I'll be about kingdom business and doing the will of my Father, the Father will make sure all things work together for our good. And I'll find out, man, my prayers are getting answered a lot farther, faster when I'm not trying to answer them myself. <laughs> Amen. So watch this. So we study to show ourselves approved. So our defense against his attack is to hunger and to thirst after righteousness. The way we defend ourselves is in hungering and thirsting after righteousness. Or to have a holy desire to live by the bread of life. Jesus says, man shall not live by bread alone. Quoting Deuteronomy 8. He says, man does not live by bread alone, but by what? Every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So when I... Take Matthew chapter 5, and I hunger and thirst after righteousness. Then he says, I'm filled. And then when I'm living by the word of God, then that's the way I defeat the deception and defend myself against the deception of the enemy. We must have an appetite and a hunger for truth, which is more than just the desire to be right. A lot of people just want to hunger for truth so they can prove everybody else wrong. And another hush came over the crowd. Amen. So I, 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 don't want to, I don't want to know the truth just so I can win an argument. Are you with me? Just so I, I, I can be a great apologetic. And it's good to be able to debate, to be able to, to talk to people. And, and we need that. We need to be informed. We need to be able to have intelligent conversation. But the purpose of knowledge is to be right. The purpose of receiving truth into our life is to be changed. That we would be changed by truth. Are you listening to me? So truth, we, we don't have truth so that we can, uh, uh, excuse me, let me just go back up. Th- then just the desire to be right, it's the desire to be made right. I don't want to be right, I want to be made right. Paul said that we might be conformed, what? To his image. I want to be made, transformed, conformed into the image of God. I want to be made right in the sight of God by his truth. Are you with me? All right. So think about it. Truth always challenges us and comes to transform us and conform us to itself. Deception tells us that we're okay as we are. That we can have the truth and know the truth, but do not have to be conformed to it. Amen. And so you hear those, you hear those statements like, I, I know, but God knows my heart. That's, that's a lie from hell. Yes, God knows your heart. The problem is you don't know your heart. Because Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. Who can know it? Amen. And so the heart is deceitfully wicked. My heart, your heart. Come on, if we're left to ourselves, we think some crazy stuff. Amen. Without, without, without the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit, without regeneration of life, the life of God on the inside of us, without the fruit of the Spirit growing and developing on the inside of us, how many know if we're not walking in the Spirit, we're walking in the... And the, 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 the lust of the flesh is pretty offensive. Amen? In all kinds of areas. And so in that area, we, we want to be conformed to the truth. Amen? So truth always challenges. Deception tells us we can stay as we are. And I don't want to, and it says you can just stay, and we hear that so much today. People, just it's okay. God knows how I am. And then we get, well, I'm saved by grace. Yes, you are, but you're not saved to stay the same. We're saved to be changed. This is a transformation. Could you say amen? But, and in that, it's a continual press and a push in our life. Think about it. Here, here, look at these scriptures that I put in here. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 13. But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Wow. Titus 3, 3 says, For we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. I, I could raise my hand. I, I was there. Amen. Everybody was there. But what I, so there, there was that deception where, but look at what happened next. Now look at the next verse, verses four through six. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior towards man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of what? 
regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit whom he poured on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Lord. And the Holy Spirit is called what? The Spirit of Truth. And so he leads and guides us into all truth. Now, now hear me. The reason I'm saying that is because in the last days, everybody say the last days. In the last days, deception, the power of deception gets even stronger. And I believe as I look at world events, we are closer to the end than we have ever been before. Every generation is closer to the end than we are before. There is an end that is coming. And so there has to be an awareness in our life. Why would Peter write, be sober and be vigilant? Why does Paul write, put on the whole armor of God that you may protect yourself against the wiles, the schemes, the deceptions of the devil, the tricks. Those things. And so there, there has to be a, a, a stirring on the inside of us and, and a rising up to be diligent in this area. But when the, by the washing of regeneration, renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. And so then we get to handling the word of God deceitfully. That word deceitfully there, as we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and, and verse 2, is the word dulu, and it means to ensnare. To handle the word deceitfully means to ensnare people. Now, now think about it. Now, now get this picture. Paul said, we are not of those who handle the word of God deceitfully. So what is he saying to the church at Corinth? There are those who are preaching the word, but they're doing it in a deceitful manner. And they ensnare and they control people by using the word of God for their end, not for the glory of God, but for their own purpose. Are you with me? And Paul said, that's not what we're about to do. But he said, that is happening. So what he's talking about this, it's not something that isn't happening. This is something that's happening even in the early church. Now, let me ask you, how much more today? How many crazy stuff do we see in the name of Christ? All kinds of stuff. Amen. So now, are we doing okay? And so why? But it also means to adulterate or to handle deceitfully. And so I thought, man, adulterate, because my mind was thinking differently. And so I looked that up, and it says to render something poor. Get this. To render something poor in quality by adding another substance. So, so anytime you add something, anytime the devil can allow us to add something to what, what does the end of the book of Revelation do, do not add anything to and do not take anything away amen but the devil knows that if he can just add little bits just a little bit how many know Jesus said a little leaven well, Jesus said beware of the leaven of who of the Pharisee and look what he said for a little leaven what does it do it affects the whole lump the whole amount just a little leaven leavens the whole loaf. Amen? Just that little bit of yeast. You don't have to put a cup of yeast in to make bread. If you do, you get a hot air balloon. Amen? But he's <laughs> just that <laughs> and just that little bit of yeast has that expansive. It, it, it just blows things out of proportion. What an amazing illustration to use. Uh, of what that little bit and how much it, it blows it up and changes its original structure and content. Amen? And so the devil's not trying. And, and this is what, I, you, I, and every time I talk about deception, I say that the problem with deception is it's so deceiving. It's just deceptive. And, and, and it is, how does it say, that, 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 that the serpent came into the garden and he was more subtle than any creature. He was more deceptive, more conniving. He knows just how little he has to add to cause the Word of God to be non-effective in our lives. Are you with me? And I started reading about this, and, and then we look at things, and, and then you get people, I'm praying God's not answering my prayer, and I'll get you here in a minute. And so what does he do? The devil is the great accuser of you to God. Look at their faults. Look at what they're doing. He's the accuser of the brother. But he's also the accuser of God to you. 
Well, look at you've been praying. God's not answering. You've been serving. You've been doing. How come God's not working on your behalf? You know what? God doesn't care about you. You might. And you hear those thoughts. And then I allow that. And what is that? That is deception being sown in my life. And once I get it, it alters the way I see things. So it means to render something poorer in quality by adding another substance, typically an inferior one. And I underline this in mind, making it impure or weaker. The devil's goal, look at he is the deceiver. His goal is to cause the word to be weakened in your life. And my heart is, I just get angry at this stuff. I get people say, Pastor, why do you get intense? Because God, Jesus didn't die for us to have a weak life. In Christ, we've been made overcomer. Look at even to, to him that overcomes, to every church in the book of Revelation, all seven, to him that overcomes, we're called to be overcomers. We're declared to be more than conquerors. That's what is ours in Christ. To be victorious, to walk in his power and in the authority of his name. Can you say amen? But if we're not doing that, then something comes in and weakens that. Something has adulterated the word in our life. Caused it to be impure, less, weaker than it originally was. And the only person that can do anything about it in your life is you. You're the one that, that's why the Bible says resist it. Man, I don't want that impure thing. And that's why I'm still, I'm still looking. Maybe Tim, when he gets back, will help me. We're going to do the search. I'm going to get these made up again. This is my second one. I've had this on for about seven years. It just reminds me, what does the word say? That's what the initials are for. What does the word say? And when you're going through a situation, when you're trying to make a choice, go back to what the word says says. Are you with me? Stay on the word. Look at Romans chapter chapter 1. <coughs> Excuse me. Paul makes this declaration. He says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation. Look at Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God unto salvation. It's the power that you can take anywhere in the world and around the world. I was talking to a person the other day, and, and we were just talking about America and end times and stuff. And, and I said, you know what? In my opinion, America was raised up for one reason. As one nation under God with freedom of religion, we became the greatest missionary nation in the history of the world. Since the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, no other nation has sent out more people to preach the gospel of Christ than the United States. America was raised up to preach the gospel. And when we were sending out missionaries, when our churches were missionary strong, and now you look at our culture today in a postmodern, post-Christian culture of America today, one thing that's waning is missionaries answering the call to the foreign field. And if America ever ceases to preach the gospel to the nations of this world, we will cease the need to be in existence in the plan of God. Are you with me? So you pick any other thing you want to do, but you have to filter everything back through the Word. God only has one purpose. He has an eternal purpose, and that's the redemption of humanity. Jesus says, I'm building my church. We were raised up to be a part of building the church. And men of God gave their lives for this to be a nation of freedom of religion where the gospel could be preached unadulterated. Without compromise and without fear. And men and women of God could answer that call and live in obedience to the call and, and declare the gospel without fear. Can you say amen? amen? And so when we see that attack coming, we have to understand. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God and the salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is the just shall live by faith. Amen. And so we get back. I need to be living by faith. But then I get back in there. Am I living by faith or am I living by fear? The just shall live by faith. And then we, we get in there. I believe the word of God. But my response is a fear response. 
Come on, we should always be able to say, hey, this too shall pass. God's going to come through. God will make a way. There should always be a faith declaration in our heart. Could you say amen? There should always be a word of faith and a, and, and a power upon our lips, as Cole was saying in the offering this evening. Think about it. See, anything added to the word of God will always be inferior to it. And will make the word of God less than it was sent to be in our lives and diminish God's original intent for his word. Anything added to it. Any little bit of leaven added to it. Go with me to Genesis chapter 3. How you doing okay? Amen. I hate the devil myself. I'm serious. I hate the devil. He's a destroyer. He's a He's a deceiver. And you look at people, and, and you look at them, and, and things happen in their life, and it's all by his deception. Look, look it says, whom the God of this world has blinded their eyes. I hate that. That people are, are literally being blinded, or, or that he's taking people captive to do his will. Second Timothy 2, that, that people are taken captive by him to do his will. I hate that. That people are literally in bondage. And if they don't get set free, they're going to spend an eternity, an eternity in torment because of deception. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1. Now the serpent was more cunning. The new King James. He was more, the original thing I believe said more subtle. More crafty, more cunning. Than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said? Did God really say? Did God mean what he said? Is God really going to do what he said? What is he doing? Remember, I said, he's, Now he's accusing God to Eve, bringing an accusation against God into her life. And she considers it. And that statement is a statement of deception. Has God indeed said you should not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree of the midst of the garden, God has said you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it lest you die. And the serpent said, oh, you won't die. You won't die. Go ahead. God didn't mean what he said. Go ahead. Come on. He said you could eat everything. Go ahead and eat that too. Hasn't he said that? Go ahead. Eat them all. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Or God is keeping back good things from you. People still believe that lie today. If I get saved, I have to give up all the good in my life. I mean, just stupid stuff. It's, it's, it's deception. Now listen, it, it's not a lot. This, he, he's not like doing a whole bunch here. He's just throwing out just a couple little thoughts. Just a little, just barely twisting the word. Are you listening to me? So look what happens. And she acts according to that. So when the woman saw the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to her eye, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its root, she ate, and also gave it to her husband with her, and he ate. And they spiritually died. They didn't physically die, they spiritually died. See, he didn't tell her. See, they, they didn't know there was two deaths. They didn't know, they, they, they didn't know what that meant. He knew because he had already experienced it. He knew death is separation from God. Are you with me? All right, moving right along. Think about Jesus in, in the wilderness. Jesus goes into the wilderness. And he says, if you're the son of God, turn these stones into bread. Been out here 40 days. You're hungry now. If you're the son of God, you have power. You, you have creative power. See, you never do a spiritual act out of a prideful spirit. You never perform a spiritual act out of a prideful spirit. If you're the Son of God, take pride in being the Son of God and create bread for yourself. You never use God's power out of pride. Amen? You always walk in humility. And so Jesus said, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So the devil goes, oh, we're going to use the word. I see. You're going to use the word. Okay, let me, let me try. Okay, take him up on a pinnacle. He says, hey, if you're a son of God, dive off. Because the word says that he's given his angels charge over you, lest you dash your foot against a stone. They'll catch you. 
He says, no, I'm not doing that. And, and Jesus responded with the word. Amen? And he says, oh, then, 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 then take you up. Here, I'll give you all these things. Okay, so I, I can't get you to do that. So let's try another one. Here, all these things of the world can be yours. I'll try to tr- tempt you with this. And then Jesus said, no, I, I don't need all the riches of this world. I'm to worship God and him only. Amen? And so it's it just, just those little things. He brings little deceptions, little things to work in our life. And every time he does, it's always to bring about our demise. So hear me this evening. Look at this. The next point. There is an assignment and a purpose attached to everyone's life. You need to understand that in Christ. There is an assignment and a purpose attached to everyone's life. There is a kingdom harvest that we are ordained to reap for the glory of God. Every one of you has a kingdom assignment attached to your life. You were created by God for a purpose. You have purpose in his eternal plan. Are you with me? And so there, there's, there's a harvest of the kingdom connected to your life. There are souls connected to your life. And if I said earlier, if he can get us deceived into thinking we have to work to get our prayers answered, we have to do this, and we get caught up in all this other stuff except reaping the harvest that's assigned to our life. Amen? Then, how I many you know 2 Timothy 2, I, I believe it says, it says that no man goes to war at his own expense. How I many know if you're in the military, they provide everything for you? Amen? You go to the military, you don't have to have a second job to have clothes, to have weapons, to have transportation, to have food. Oh, do you know, right? You're supplied with everything you need to accomplish the task that you've enlisted. And in that enlistment comes the full supply for every need of your life. And so Paul says, no man goes to war at his own expense. Everything provides. So we're enlisted into the war, into this kingdom purpose, and God provides for our need. If we get to that place, we can believe God. We can believe God, his faithfulness, his truth and all. God, you provide me. And then we can be about our Father's business and looking for those opportunities to reach somebody for Christ. To, 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 be, to seek out that harvest that's connected to our life. It, for some of us, it might be one person. For others, it might be 10,000 people. It doesn't matter. It's not the quantity. But, but it's just, if I'm living for that harvest, for that purpose, I'm living for kingdom purpose, then I, I have this rest that, God, you're providing everything I need. There will always be more than enough. There will be a supply. I don't have to worry over that. I'm not fighting at my own expense. Are you with me? He's there making that happen. Praise the Lord. So think about it. So that kingdom heart, the enemy wars against God's purpose in your life. He's working to bring deception in your life in order to lead us astray, to cause us to roam from the safety and the truth of God's word in our life. My great uncle had this book in in his little library. It was written by John Bunyan, (coughs) excuse me, who wrote The Pilgrim's Progress. And it was visions of heaven and hell. And, and I just want to read this one little portion to you because he's taken up into heaven. Because what happened was he had an atheist friend who talked to him and got him so discouraged that he didn't about, he was just totally, got him so confused about whether there really was a God and, and, and went into a state of depression. He went out in the woods literally to commit suicide and take his life. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and, and stopped him. And then he was caught up into heaven and, and, and got a, a vision of heaven. And then after being heaven, he's taken into hell. And he's shown heaven and hell. And so when he gets into hell, as they're going in there, he's being told, hey, don't be afraid. You know, you're, you're, you're covered. You don't have to fear anything going on in here. It's not going to affect you. It has no power over you while you're here with me. But then they end up before the throne of Lucifer. You want to hear this? It's called... Visions of Heaven and Hell by John Bunyan. You can probably find it if you Google it. Okay, listen to this. We were now within hell's territories, placed in the caverns of the infernal deep. There, where earth's sinner reconciles all things where all effects do in their cause sleep, there in a sulfurous lake of liquid fire bound by the adamantine chain of heaven's fixed decree, sat Lucifer upon a burning throne his horrid eyes sparkling with hellish fury. 
as full of rage as his strong pains could make him. Those wandering fiends that as, that as we came from heaven fled before us had been given notice of our coming, which put all hell in an uproar, and thus made Lucifer to vent his horrid blasphemies against the blessed God, which he delivered with an air of arrogance and pride. This is what he's heard him say. What would the thunderer have, said he? He has my heaven already, whose radiant scepter this bold hand should bear. And for those never fading fields of light, my fair inheritance can find me here in this dark house of death, sorrow, and war. What would he have? Hell from me too? That he insults me here? Ah, could I but obtain another day to try it in. I would make heaven shake and his bright throne to totter. Nor would I fear the utmost of his power, though he had fierce flame, fiercer flame than those to throw me in, than these to throw me in. Though then I lost the day, the fault was not mine. No winged spirit in heaven's arched roof bid fairer for the victory than I. But ah, he continued with a changed voice. That day is lost. I am doomed, forever doomed to this dark territory. But it is at least some comfort to me. Still that mankind's sorrow waits upon my woe. And since I cannot on the thunderer, I will wreak the utmost of my rage on them. So the devil knows that he can't defeat God. And he knows that there is a season. How many know the demon said to Jesus, have you come to torment us before his time? So the devil knows he can't get even with God. But what he can do is vent his rage against humanity. And if you don't understand his anger and his hatred towards God's creation, those made in his very image and in his likeness, then you will not understand the subtlety of his crafting. And once you do understand it, you will understand why it's spoken of so many times, why Jesus warned us, why Paul said we have armor, and why God gives us armor, and why Peter tells us to be sober and be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, goes about seeking to devour and to destroy. Are you listening to me? So it is so important, especially in this day and in this hour, with everything happening, as you look around, the world God's people would be more awake than ever amen arise and and be awakened in that area praise the Lord so watch it his goal is a purpose is to make his goal and purpose is to make you a prey that he can devour with his lies. his goal is to cause you to give up on the promises of God to accuse you to God and to accuse God to you are we doing all right tonight Amen. So why? The Holy Spirit is here to lead us and guide us into all truth. To help us not to be deceived. That's why he's called the Spirit of Truth. Now think about this. Now I want you to take this one thought and think about it. Jesus declared to his disciples, and in that day, in John 16, and in that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. What does that say? Most what? Assuredly, I say to you. Wow. How do you know? We can just believe Jesus. If we can't believe Jesus, who can we believe? Amen. Most assuredly, I say to you. Look what he said to his disciples. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will. What? Ask and you will. What? Ask and you will. What? Amen. Why? Look at what the next thing he said. That your joy may be full. So a Christian who says I've lost my joy is a deceived believer. You've bought a deception. A Christian who doubts his prayers are being answered has bought into deception. And it doesn't, it doesn't take a lot. It just takes a little. Well, why is it taking so long? I wish God could answer prayers quickly. Amen. 
Pastor Tim Delina tells a story uh, about a church in, in uh, North Carolina that, that uh, built a, a building and uh, there was a vacant field across from their church in, in this community there. And what happened was is that a, uh, a, a, a company got a, a building permit and they actually built an adult bookstore right across the street from the church. And so the church was trying to position the, the powers that be and nobody, they couldn't get any remedy or recourse in that. And so it got built and they're there. So the, so the, the last thing they did, they said, man, we, we, the, I guess we're down to the place where we're going to have to pray. <laughs> so they did like every normal Christian church, they prayed last instead of first. Amen. So they called a 21-day fast and they began praying. Asking God for answer. On the 14th day of their fast, there was a tremendous thunderstorm and lightning storm. And somehow, lightning struck that building and burned it to the ground. Consequently, the owner of the building knew they were praying to God for an answer for them to be shut down. So he sued the church. He sued the church. For praying against them and causing them to be burned down and wanted them to pay for the rebuilding, wanted them to pay for loss of wages, wanted them to pay for loss of income, and wanted them to pay the deductible, have their building rebuilt. And so when they get to court, the prosecutor who, who is, is, is uh, pleading the case for, for the plaintiff is saying, hey, they're saying, hey, uh, uh, you prayed against us and God answered your prayer and destroyed our building they said we prayed but we never asked God to destroy your building and so they go back and forth no you pray and because of your prayers our building is destroyed and so finally at the end the judge said okay I've had enough I've never seen anything like this I have the owner of an adult bookstore who believes that prayer works and a church who doesn't Amen. So they're denying the power of their prayer and they're being prosecuted for God performing his word. What if we just had as much confidence as the adult bookstore owner? That if we ask anything in his name, he'll do it. Are you with me? Now think about it. See, the deceiver comes to get you to doubt and to settle for less than your joy being too many Christians are settling for less. Never settle for less than your joy being full. Could you say amen? Amen. Now look at this. I, I, I just put some other verses in here that, that you could see. But in, in, in this one area, I, I want you to look here. And it says... Uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 through 10. And do you not know, skip down a couple there, do you not know that the unrighteousness will not inherit the kingdom of God? Remember Paul says, do not be deceived. And that's the verse that caught me, that got me studying it. Do not be deceived. So I was curious. I thought, I've, I've read that several times in Scripture. I just started thinking, I wonder how many times we're told not to be deceived. So I started looking it up as I was sitting around the campfire last week. Because look what he says. Neither fornicators, nor adulterers, nor, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And he's writing this to the church. He's not writing this to unbelievers. He's telling people who call themselves Christians. That people who, who call themselves Christians and live this lifestyle aren't going to inherit the kingdom. Don't be deceived. Amen? Look at Galatians 6, 7, because it ties right in that don't be deceived. God's not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that's what he's going to reap. If you sow unrighteousness, you reap unrighteousness. Amen? If we sow to the flesh, we reap the corruption of the flesh. Do you understand that? So the Lord, one of the deceptions is, is that I can sow. The devil said, well, you could sow that, but it doesn't mean, you know, you're saved by grace. You're not going to reap that. No, God said, don't be deceived. God's not mocked. Are you with me? Whatever we sow, that's what we reap. And so we try to teach people, if you don't like your harvest, start sowing different seeds. John 7, 45 through 49, Then the officers came to the chief priests and the Pharisees who said to them, Why haven't you arrested him and brought him? The officers said, No man ever spoke like this man. Then the Pharisees answered them, Are you also deceived? Have any of the rulers of the Pharisees believed in him? But this crowd that does not know the law is accursed. 
Now, the reason I put that verse in there, because today we're being told that we're the religious wackos. That we're whacked in our head. We're, we're, we're living in deception. And we're believing lie. And, and we should be buying into the tolerance of our cold statement. Sunday morning was so powerful. Turn off the noise of the tolerance of this world, of this culture. Turn that off. And, listen to and so we're being told, and all the leaders and all the rulers are saying, hey, we haven't bought into that Jesus stuff. Are, are, you, dece- are you deceived? And buying into that. Don't allow that to get a hold of you. James chapter 5 says this, Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sin. It says that James Ecclesiastes, hey, they're, they're, they're brethren that go astray, they go error, and, and, and if we bring them back, rescue them from that deception. Are you listening to me? So that, that's a necessity upon our life. 1 John 1, verses 8 through 10. If we say we have no sin, we what? Deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. Amen. See, as long as we're putting off the old man and putting on the new man, we, we have the potential to, to, to error. And, and that's why we just, we, we continually confess our sin. We keep up-to-date repentance in our life. Somebody say amen. And so he's faithful and just to forgive us. But if we don't say it, then we make him a liar and the truth is not in us. Praise the Lord. Skip down with me to the last verse. The very end. 1 Corinthians 15.33 is where I read this too and it got me. It says, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Amen. And so, it's one thing to be salt and light. It's another thing to be wrapped up in the wrong place. Guard your heart. Walk in the right way. Amen? Come on, take this, hold on to that one statement that Jesus said, you can ask anything, that your joy may be full. Don't let the devil be the deceiver. Hear that again. He has one purpose. He is venting his vengeance and his rage against humanity. And everything he does is to rob you to make your life less than what Jesus died for it to be. That just torques me off. If I wasn't a pastor, I'd say something inappropriate right now. Amen. It just infuriates me. Amen? Ask David to play that song again, and th- that last song. I'm no longer a slave to sin. Amen? I'm a child of God. You need to understand that. You need to have all the confidence and the boldness that you are a child of God. You need to walk in that authority. You need to walk in that confidence. So I'm asking you, you can leave the lights up. Let's just stand together. But David, just.